Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Glad to be back with you. Wasn't on this morning. Had to get a little dental work done. Uh, for whatever reason, dentists around me are all book full. So when when, <laughs> when you need to get some emergency work done, you just got to take whatever time they can give you. But I'm back now. I appreciate everyone worrying about me. Everything's good. Just had to get a little dental work done. But we got a lot planned for this evening. On the latter half, we're going to go through some of the results from yesterday, talk about, obviously, we all know what's going on with the Virginia governor's race. Congratulations to Yunkin. Um, the kind of funny business that's going on in New Jersey right now, but we're going to highlight a few other smaller races around the country uh, that are ultimately going to have big impacts that Republicans did really well in. So that's going to be coming up later. But before we get to that, we have a guest. We're joined by PJ Sorote. He is a college student in Michigan, goes to Michigan State University, and took a semester off because of that university's mask and vaccine mandates. So we're going to talk to him about that. PJ, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on today. Well, thanks for coming on. It's, it's interesting. We, we, we talk a lot about people quitting their jobs, people being fired. We, we haven't really talked to anyone yet who has walked away. Well, you haven't completely walked away. You took a semester off. But um, right. we, we haven't yet talked to anyone like that. So so walk us through, first of all, introduce yourself and walk us through that decision that you made to step away from your, your second semester of your senior year. Okay, well, uh, hi, everybody. My name is PJ Serrati, and uh, I was going to be a graduating senior at Michigan State University. Um, I'm currently in the James Madison College, uh, which is like the sort of like the pre-law political science college here at Michigan State. And um, I'm studying international relations. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of into government and politics. It's something that I'm really interested in. And um, so my whole this whole fight started uh, probably at the beginning of August when well, actually, mid and midway through the summer, President Stanley, who's the president over here at Michigan State University, told all of his students in an email early in uh, in summer uh, that there was going to be no mandate of the vaccines. There's going to be no mass mandates and that we were just going to go back to school as normal and everything is going to be, go back to normal. And what my team and I, I believe happened is he was infiltrated by uh, the, the health departments as well as other organizations who were kind of pressuring him with money, grant money and whatnot to kind of change his opinion on whether or not to mandate the vaccine. So I, uh, I run an organization with about 8,000 students in, uh, that are involved that we all, it's just kind of describing the life of college and, and people having fun and whatnot. And I, I've never been too political in my social media. And as soon as the vaccine mandate hit, it was the day after President Stanley uh, required everybody to pay for their pay their tuition for classes coming up the next for the next semester. So like the, the tuition date hits and the next day he releases an email. We are mandating that every single student staff and, uh, you know, any member of the people that work at uh, Michigan State that they all had to get the vaccine. And so I, I immediately was like, OK, this is not something that I'm OK with. My my father has an autoimmune disease called multiple sclerosis. Some have theorized that the vaccines have caused MS in the past. And I'm a little spec uh, skeptical when it comes to uh, just blindly going into a medical experiment like that. And I wanted to do the research on my own, but I didn't really have enough time to do so. So I, I asked this group of 8,000 kids in a poll and I just was like, hey, what do you guys think about this vaccine mandate? Should we do something about this? We're the students. We pay the tuition. Our parents are, are you know, paying for us to go to school here. Some students are paying for themselves. What do we do? And so I released this poll. And within 20 minutes, we had about 300, uh, 400 responses of people. They're all, you know, negative attitudes to this vaccine mandate. They're all swiping up on our on our Instagram and Twitter, telling us, "Nope, this is not something that we want to uh, take part in. We're not, uh, we're not lab rats, whatever." All these different responses. I had a couple of MSU football players who uh, refused to be named. They don't want me to, you know, get them into any trouble. They told me, "PJ, start a petition." So that's what I did. I took to Change.org and GoFundMe, and I set up a couple different avenues to. You know, to create some change here at Michigan State, and uh, over the course of oh, about five days, 
we had 10,000 signatures and about five days later, we were at 20,000. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm talking to uh, large, uh, important grassroots influencers such as um, Ron Armstrong from uh, Stand Up Michigan and a bunch of other different grassroots people that were all telling me, hey, come to this protest in Lansing and start to speak up. And, you know, kind of the wrap of, the, of my involvement here was eight minutes before I walked on stage uh, at the Lansing rally that, um, you know, was being held a couple months ago. My GoFundMe was taken down. All the money was stripped out of it. My change.org petition was, uh, I guess, blacklisted. It, it, you couldn't find it on Google. And my name had been, had everything that was recent about my m political movements had been completely censored. So I simply, the only thing that was up there was something from 2015. And it, it looked like they had completely washed me from Google. So at that moment, I decided it's my turn to take a fight. And then since then, I've founded Michigan Students Take Charge, LLC, an organization working with Grand Valley, U of M, Michigan State, Oakland University, Wayne State, Central and Western to get students to stand up and to create a platform for students to have an uncensored voice. And now we're rallying. So <laughs> lots to go through there. They lots announced, to go through. They, Sorry. They, they announced the vaccine mandate the day after the bill was due. So they forced everyone to pay and then they changed the terms of the contract. Um, yep. It's pretty clear why they didn't do it the day before, because if they did it the day before, people wouldn't have paid. Did you end right. up paying? Did you end up paying before? before they mandate? No. So, so that, so actually at that, I mean, I had had this conversation with my mom because what it, at the time U of M had already mandated. And so we were talking, we're like, this is probably going to go like national and every university is probably going to have to do this because they're all affected by the, the health departments and whatnot. And I guess some of our, our elected officials have their hands on everything. So I just had the conversation. I was like, I don't think so. I think we're going to wait this out and see how this goes. And, you know, I'll work this semester, you know, take a break. And I, I was right. I took the lucky gamble. I, I took a good bet there. Oh, so you, you gambled before the mandate even came down that it was yeah. coming and you decided, oh, so you got lucky. Otherwise, they yeah, I got kept very lucky. Yep, exactly. They would Wow. Um, so yeah. what, what kind of, Obviously, there have been there have been court cases since then. If you if we put up my screen, Mr. Producer, um, and the appeals court uh, in in Michigan ruled that Western Michigan University couldn't just force athletes to get the vaccine; they had to accept religious exemptions. Were any relig religious exemptions offered at Michigan State? Yes. So this was this was a huge thing that a lot of. Uh my opposition was, was saying to me is that they, there are religious exemptions that are provided and what, and there are uh, medical exemptions as well, as well. And they were spread very thin. We were, I've heard stories of people that just got their medical or religious exemptions accepted. I heard people being denied the entire department that was put in charge of this, of these exemptions. They had no idea what they were doing. So there was people that were denied for putting too much or accepted for literally putting nothing. I, I we have a group of a uh, couple hundred people that were all kind of updating us as these exemptions went in, and they were all telling us, "Oh, I got accepted. Mine was thirty words. Oh, oh, I got denied. Mine was a page. I, I included God. I didn't include God. It was all over the place with these exemptions, and it, it was just it was ridiculous, and it was completely. It seemed like they, like I said, they had no idea what they were doing, and it was just the strategy was just thrown together last minute. Yeah, well, one, well, one of the ways to dis, to determine whether a regulation, and obviously Michigan State University, a state university, so part of the state, one of the ways that you can find out whether something is unconstitutional is what if it's arbitrary and capricious. And it sounds like you're describing a process that is a little bit of both. It's certainly very arbitrary, the idea that some right. people get accepted, some people don't. Yeah, well, you know, I've been just going off of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and Article 26 states that education is based on merit and they're telling us it's based on vaccination status. And that's not what all the countries agreed to when they signed that document. So I, I just I can't believe that we have to fight for our right to have to remain bodily autonomous. But, you know, I, I believe it's the good fight. And I, I believe students across the across the country are seeing the future uh, if they don't stand up and do something here. And so. That's kind of what motivated me to, to get involved. So do you intend to go back to Michigan State? If Michigan State does not give you an exemption or does not relax its policy, will you go back or are you looking at potentially transferring? Oh, did we lose him? We might have just lost him. Mr. Producer, see if we can get him back. Um, 
yeah, we might we might have just lost his feed right there. See if we can get him back, Mr. Peterson. If we can, just just shoot me a message in the chat, and uh, and we'll bring him back on. Yeah, no, that is we've talked a lot with people who have been really worried about their job. That's something that we haven't been able to get enough of the students' perspective. I mean, we we've talked to we've talked to parents of high school kids, but we haven't gotten a lot of perspective on the college students, and obviously PJ, PJ deciding understanding what was going on, deciding that it was better to I can hear you now, hear you now. Um, deciding it was better Hi. to take a semester off rather than going through it. So we just lost you for a little bit, PJ. Um, uh, don't know if it's you or us. So do, do you intend to go back to Michigan State or are you thinking it's more likely you're going to have to transfer? Well, you know, it's just unfortunate because my major is not you, you, you don't find international relations major far and, and wide so it, it's, it's going to be a tough decision I, again i'm not getting this at any point in the near future until i've seen evidence that i i favor so i probably will have to look to transfer somewhere else i know hillsdale's offering uh openings so yeah yeah i mean i i like hillsdale um michigan state though that's a good school and obviously, we don't really go by go by the pedigree or anything. But um, not to not to talk down to Hillsdale or anything. But when you get accepted and you've done three and a half years at a university, for them to change the terms of the deal right as you can see the finish line, I, I hope that you're able to do something where you can stay at Michigan State because um, I think I think it pr- obviously. You want that Michigan State degree. That's why you decided to go there in the first place. Um, are you going to seek an exemption? Yeah, I actually. So, like I mentioned earlier, we have that group of a bunch of uh, a bunch of parents and students working together to kind of craft the perfect exemption. And um, well, I've been working on mine over the, about the past uh, four or five days here because you know my parents really want me to graduate, and they're telling me that this is something that's super important. And I, I believe so as well that I need a degree to to you know to be successful in this world so i have worked through the the exemptions that other people have sent to us not really copying things but kind of just taking the messages taking what their what their values were that they highlighted and kind of in, uh inputting them into my document and instilling in into myself like the christian catholic values i do believe that we as catholics and christians have the right to deny um medical processes that we don't see to be um i guess that, that we don't see to be like proper and so I, yeah. I believe that i will have an exemption based off of what some of these accepted ones will be and i think i've luck with it and i think that everything will will go see in the next semester and i'm hoping i do well you you mentioned that you're catholic i'm catholic too one of the one of the best arguments i think comes from the pro-life perspective of the fact that Pfizer and Moderna were both tested using cells from aborted babies and the J&J shot was actually produced using fetal cells. Um, is that something you, you, you would consider? Obviously, I don't know all about your, your religious beliefs, but is that something that, that you're, you're leaning towards? Well, yeah. So that was something that I heavily considered. So I, in, in my petition um, that you can still find on change.org, um, it's the, the stop or cease the immediate uh, human rights violations at Michigan State. I do list, I think, 30 religions that are all violated by these mandates. And I... I t- oh, we just lost him again. <laughs> just lost him again. Uh, oh, you're back. Can you hear me now? He's cutting in and out. It's uh, uh, all right. Well, let me know, Mr. Producer. Oh, well, wait, when we is it working? Uh, yeah, it's working now. I can just hear yeah. you now. Keep talking. Sorry, sorry. We, we just lost you though. And now we lost you again. <laughs> well, I, this is I, what I, happens, folks. He's so coming in every, you, we're getting you, you every 20 me? seconds, every five seconds ish. Um, so you can't. It's it's coming in very very choppy, um, huh? <laughs> coming very choppy. This, this well, uh, yeah, we're we're only getting a little bit. Well, listen, PJ, I I I wish you the best. 
I hope that you're able to get your religious exemption. Um, I, I, I wish you all the luck in compiling that. I do, I do recommend though, that you do put everything in your own words because, uh, obviously if you're out talking about this, they're going to be going through it with a fine tooth comb. So I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for coming on and, uh, and keep fighting the good fight. That was PJ right. on the phone t- talking right. about how he left, Thank how he left Michigan state. Yeah, just uh, turn him down. He, he's cutting in and out. Uh, PJ, we'd love to have you on again. Um, so we'll, we'll get you scheduled on when, when there's a little bit better s- signal. So, yeah, that's something that we didn't really talk about before today a whole lot, um, the, the student experiment, experience. But it's, it's just as relevant, just as legitimate. I mean, imagine, imagine going through... And and Michigan State, obviously, if you're in state, it's a little bit more affordable. But it's a it's not necessarily a cheap school. And imagine going through three and a half years, and right as you're about to graduate, second semester senior, they tell you one day after the bills are due that you gotta get vaccinated. Changing the terms of the deal, changing the terms of the contract, without really any real justification for it. So that's something that we're going to probably hear a lot more about as these different vaccine mandates go into effect. There's going to be a lot more people like PJ fighting this fight. And again, we wish him the best of luck. This podcast is sponsored by Air Medicare Network's premier insurance plan to cover you and your household should any of you suffer a medical emergency. You don't get to choose where an emergency strikes. You don't get to choose how you go to the hospital. Well, Air Medicare Network promises that you won't go bankrupt if you have to be airlifted. It costs just $85. You sign up for one year. It gives you coverage for your whole household. And as a bonus, when you use the link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily, and then use promo code daily, they're going to give you up to $50 back in the form of an e-gift card. Again, it's free money. So go to airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. So yesterday was kind of a big day. I don't know if people noticed big results in Virginia, a new governor, actually the entire Every single statewide office holder in Virginia is going to be a Republican. Terry McAuliffe and the Democrats got shellac. They got smoked. It was a bloodbath. Not only did Republicans take the the governor and the lieutenant governor, they also took the House of Delegates. They needed five. They needed to flip five seats in order to get control. They flipped at least seven now. But also there's some things going on in New Jersey. You have Chitterelli going up against Murphy. Murphy is as bad as they come. I used to live in New Jersey. One of the reasons I left New Jersey is because of Democrats. I want to be able to carry a gun. I want to be able to defend my family. Um, just wasn't going to happen there. Obviously, the taxes are insane, are insane too. Right before I left, there was a governor named John Corzine, and he was a literally corrupt, terrible man. He got replaced, as we know, by Chris Christie. I then worked on Chris Christie, well, not on his campaign, but uh, organizations trying to reelect him in 2013. And then I got out of there. I could see the writing on the wall. I know a lot of people in New Jersey, though, and, and I've been talking to them over the past couple of weeks saying, eh, I don't know. It's New Jersey's really blue. It's really blue. And it is. But there's a lot of conservatives in New Jersey. There's a lot of Republicans and there's a lot of independents, common sense independents who don't just vote party line. They vote for whatever they think is best. So last night, again, I I swore I was going to stay up all night and watch these returns. The problem is if you don't live in New Jersey or you don't live in that area, you just get the reruns of what MSNBC, CNN, Fox News were talking about a couple hours ago. So eventually I went to bed like 2, 3 a.m. once it stopped being new broadcast. And I I swore I said, I'm going to be so pissed if they cheat while I'm asleep. And sure enough, they did it. They did it in New Jersey, and there's a couple different places that they got caught. Put up image number one, Mr. Producer. This is an image of the county-by-county results. And on the top, you can see Bergen County. That's what it looked like when I went to bed last night. Shitterelli was winning Bergen County. And then, bam, when we woke up, nope, nope, completely flipped. And Bergen County is a big county. It's a big, big county. It's, It's one of, if not the biggest counties in New Jersey. And it just flipped. And this was something that if you watched the CNN or the MSNBC streams last night, which I did, I, I enjoyed it. 
I, I love watching them freak out over this. They kept going back to Bergen County and saying, well, this can't be. This can't be. This is this is a huge sh shift. Well, sure enough, when all the cameras went off, when everyone went to bed, they decided that, oh, no, we're going to switch it. We're going to switch it. So we have a video that someone else produced. And I want to I want to play this showing the switch late at night. Let's play Mr. Producer cut number two. Well, would you look at this? Jack Cittarelli just moments ago with 83% of the vote in with a strong 42,000 vote lead. If you look to the left here, you'll see that Bergen County, the very top, the biggest county in all of New Jersey, with 100% reporting, shows Chitterelli winning 52% to 47%, okay? 100% reporting. But now, miraculously, with 87% in, Bergen County, which was 100% reported, all of a sudden just happened to flip. Boy, those must have been some magic votes to flip a 100% counted county. Despite being at 100% and staying exactly the same all the way up until now. And oh, look, now Chitterelli, instead of having a 42,000 vote lead, only has a 1,600 vote lead. Boy, if there was ever a state that needed a damn audit of like every election we've ever held, it's New Jersey. So once again, that's Bergen County, red for Chitterelli all night with 100% reported until the zero hour when all the news stations start shutting down and they think no one's paying attention. And then, oops, it all of a sudden flips to blue and there goes Chitterelli's lead. The same sort of shady vote flipping we watched in the 2020 election. Audit New Jersey. He's right. The same kind of shady audit uh, the stuff that we saw in 2020. So if, if we if we go to my screen, Mr. Producer, this is the new map. The new map from New Jersey shows up. Oh, no, Phil Murphy won, even though we all went to bed last night and Shitterelli was winning. Obviously, we knew when you looked at the maps, you saw that Union County, Essex County, um, Hudson County were all going to be bringing out more returns. And you knew that there were Democrat votes there. But to see them go in Bergen County from 100 percent, they said 100 percent. They counted all the ballots. 100% reporting. We all went to bed and said, oh, no, actually, it was 87. We, we actually have 13% left to count. And by the way, we also recounted. And turns out ah, he was winning all along. It's just so shady. It's just they did it again. And the GOP just finally sent lawyers today. Where were the lawyers yesterday? GOP tried to make a big production out of it. Oh, we are sending lawyers to New Jersey to fight. The lawyers should have been there yesterday. Pay the lawyers an extra damn day. Assume this is going to be tight. And oh, well, oh, you paid a lawyer for nothing if it's a blowout. But at least they'll be there to fight this thing. But nope, the GOP, day late, dollar short, like always, sending the lawyers in one day late. It wasn't just there, though. It wasn't just in that part of New Jersey. If we go to image number three, image number three. There was, there was some funny business going on in Hudson County as well. The early vote was double counted in Hudson County. They caught them. They had double counted the vote in Hudson County earlier in the night into today. So they actually had to reduce Murphy's total by 10,732, and they reduced Chitterelli's by 2,842. But they, they quite literally, and you can see what the tally was at the time. It was a dead heat. Murphy would have won this morning if they didn't catch that double counting in Hudson. Well, they're probably double counting everywhere. Probably double counting everywhere. We can take down my screen, Mr. Producer. So I, I, I love New Jersey. It's near and dear to my heart. I, I never imagined it would be this close. And the fact that it's this close... Has, there's, there's funny business. I mean, come on. Come on. If we go to image number four, this is from just across the Delaware River in Pennsylvania. Every single statewide race, every single statewide race in Pennsylvania, a Republican won. Every single one. You look at the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, the Republican beat out the Democrat. Superior Court, Republican beat out the Democrat. And the Commonwealth Court, two Republicans beat out the two Democrats. 
So you, you see in Pennsylvania, Republicans are going are, are winning. In Virginia, which if you actually look at the map, we don't have to keep putting up my screen, Mr. Producer. If you actually look at the map, New Jersey's not that far from Virginia. I mean, southern New Jersey is a, is a lot more like Virginia than parts of D.C. I mean, it's obvious that there was cheating. It's obvious that there was fraud. You wake up and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, sorry, we found all those ballots. We found all those ballots. And it turns out, <laughs> it turns out uh, we were wrong. Of course, the Republican didn't win. So if you go to my screen, Mr. Producer, this is a feel-good part of the New Jersey story. A truck driver who spent $153 on his New Jersey election campaign is likely to dethrone a political kingpin. And don't let this headline fool you. Don't think that they're exaggerating it. He was going after Sweeney. Anyone who lives in New Jersey, you know that Sweeney, Stephen Sweeney, is as corrupt as they come, he is a union boss. He is when when you think if you think back to like like the political machines of Chicago or New York at the turn of the 20th century, and you think about the union corruption, this guy's doing it just in the modern era. Stephen Sweeney has been in the legislature longer than anyone else currently, and he became the state senate president. He just lost, I mean asterisk, because they might steal it again. He just lost to a guy who's a truck driver. Nothing wrong with being a truck driver. But he only spent $153 on his campaign. Only spent $153 on his campaign. Let's see if we can actually get the... See if we can actually get the... the I don't want to spread fake news. Local and state election results. Let's see. Da, da, da. Oh, they're only... Oh, legislature. Here we go. There, he is in District 3. Uh, he should be down here in Trenton, if I remember correctly. Here we go. So District 3, yep, Steve Sweeney is losing currently. Final results. It says final results. Lost by 2,230-some-odd 2, votes. It's, a, it's huge. It is absolutely huge. This guy is the political kingpin. I remember I, I, when I lived in New Jersey, I went and testified when he was in charge of a committee. And he was pushing, he was trying to ram new gun control through. Now, at the time, we had Chris Christie. Chris Christie ultimately vetoed it. But I was there testifying. He was just so smug about it. He's like, oh, we're going to do what we want. We don't care what people say. He was just, he was, just, he was an asshat. But no one actually thought he could lose. But this guy... This guy, which is incredible. I want to make sure I get Edward Durr. Edward Durr, I guess, was the only one. A lot of these entrenched Democrats run unopposed because no one wants to waste the time to actually run against them. Edward Durr actually looked into it, and Trump had won Steve Sweeney's district. So he said, obviously, there's conservatives there. And he saw that Sweeney had never won. He had never received more than 32,000 votes. So he said, hey, as long as I can get 32,000 votes, that'll be fine. It just takes 32,000 votes to beat this guy. He can't get more than 32,000 votes. Go back to my screen, Mr. Producer. Final results right here. Yep. It took 32,000 votes to win. 32,000 votes to beat this guy. And he did it with $150 spent. And I think the majority of it was spent at Dunkin' Donuts either $60 or 80 some odd dollars of that $153 was spent on donuts and coffee. The rest was spent on flyers and, and, uh, and business cards. He raised 10 grand. Apparently he only spent 153. I don't know how that works, but this is, this is huge. But in, again, you start seeing all of these Democrats in redder areas. They start losing, but the Democrats still wins the governor's mansion because they cheated in the cities. Like Sweeney's down near Camden. He's, he's a little bit more south. So he has to deal with a much more diverse electorate. When you look at the, when you look at the cities up in northern Jersey, you look at Newark, you look at um, the Hudson County, right, right over the Hudson River from New York. Lots and lots of Democrats. And even there, Shitterelli was overperforming. 
We all made the mistake. We all made the same mistake. We went to bed. I mean, obviously, we all have to sleep eventually. We went to sleep, and then they changed it. And then they changed it. I want to go through a couple other feel-good stories from this. If you put up image number five, Mr. Producer, this happened earlier in the year. Matthew Lynch was a, was a teacher in Braintree. Braintree, Massachusetts. And he was forced to resign as a teacher in Braintree, Massachusetts, because a photo of him had been circulating showing that he was at the Capitol. Yes, they did spell Capitol wrong in this newspaper. Shame on them. They need better editors. So he went to, to D.C. on January 6th. No accusation that he did anything illegal. But he was there. He was forced to resign. Forced to resign. Again, remember, we're talking about feel-good stories today. Take this down. Put up image number six, Mr. Producer. Matt Lynch won a spot on the school board. So he went from being forced out of school for attending a political rally to now being on the school board. Feel-good story. I like that. I, 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 that, I, I like that a lot. Put up image seven, another good feel-good story. Nicholas Seppi was pissed off in Egg Harbor Township. I believe this is New Jersey. He was pissed off. Pissed off that the schools were forcing them to wear masks. Pissed off that they were forcing them to hide. So what did he do? He ran for the school board. And he won. And he won. And look, it only took 4,000 votes to win. These people are not popular. The person he unseated, Terry Alabarda, she, she was thinking she was going to get reelected to the school board with 2,800 votes. That's all it takes. 2,800 votes. He got 4,000 votes and he won. Realize that a lot of these people run for reelection. We can take my screen down. A lot of these people, these these terrible school board members, terrible town town council members, the coroners. I don't think enough is being done about the coroners because the coroners were signing off on fraudulent death certificates, saying that saying under penalty of perjury that they believe people died from COVID when it wasn't true. That happened all around the country. That helped foster the ridiculousness of the lockdowns, the fake news. A lot of these people run unopposed. They run unopposed because they seem like these all powerful figures that no one can take down. You can't touch them. And many of them have been in office for decades, but what you need to realize is they are not untouchable. As 19-year-old Nicholas Seppi showed, you can take one down very easily. You just have to fight for it. You just have to get out there, put, <laughs> walk the pavement, knock on doors, and talk to people. I was looking at, I was looking in my town. I should have ran. Because the winner, I think the winner only got like 3,000 votes. I, I should have ran. Next time I'm going to run. As if, I don't already, as if I'm not already busy enough, I'm going to run. You heard it here first. But no, I, I highly encourage all of you. Look at what's happening around us. This is a red wave. Realize that we are all part of that red wave. We are all part of it. We are all pushing forward and taking this country back one school board, one city council race, one mayor race, one governor's mansion at a time. It's up to all of us. It's up to all of us. I mean, I, I end every podcast with the fight to take back the country isn't over yet. But the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. It's true. It's true. And you see just how easy it is. Not, not, I don't want to discredit. I don't want to devalue what people have accomplished. But when it only takes 4,000 votes to win something, we all should have been fighting a lot longer. We should have been fighting years ago. Frankly, shame on us for letting these people get into power. Shame on us for letting these tyrants get into positions of power with only 1,000 a, a or 2,000 people voting for them. So I highly, I, I highly encourage all of you to go through, whether it's, whether it's your, you don't have to be a doctor to be a coroner. It's a fun fact. S special districts. One of these days, we're going to do an episode on special districts because special districts are terrifying. Special districts, there's nothing sexy about them, but a special district is basically they, they carve out a little part of the map and they have a special district for like, I don't know, public transportation or water infrastructure or electricity. And they just have people that are 
elected to run it, but they are always elected unopposed because no one knows what the hell they do. So they're just able to run all these special districts. Go through and look. And the next time you find someone is running unopposed, throw your hat in the ring. There's nothing nothing to lose. You might just surprise yourself. You might just take him down. So I I do have a clip of of Durr. (laughs) I do have a clip of Edward Durr being caught by reporters last night. I guess very early this morning. He went to bed thinking he lost against Sweeney, the entrenched political um, (laughs) kingpin in New Jersey. He went to bed thinking that he lost, woke up to reporters pounding on his door early morning hours, telling him that he'd won, and they captured that response on video. Let's go ahead and play this, Mr. Producer, cut number eight. I have no idea what's going on. I am really trying to grasp all this. It it is, I knew it would be a major upset. And the funny thing is, is whenever I went around the door to door, everybody, the first words out of their mouth was, good luck. Like they knew the political power that was being wielded down here. I would get people who sent me $50, sent me $25. They say, listen, I don't like the guy. I want to see you do well. And so I, 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 I did what I could. You're a hardly riding Eagles fan who is a truck driver. I mean, we don't have some real people in, in these state houses. I've said this before. I'm no, I'm as blue collar as you're ever going to find. That's what we need. You thinking more? We need more real people doing real jobs who are really suffering, and they know the price yeah, of a gallon of milk. I'm not, I'm not against lawyers or doctors or business people, but that's that's not what we need. We need people who understand the adverse effects of what's going on in this state. Are you prepared for the onslaught of attention? Because we're doing I'm the first interview. I'm prepared for this right now. <laughs> this has uh, been a little, like I said, I went to bed being told certain numbers and now I'm being told other numbers. They're trying to change things. I really don't know where I stand. So I, you went to bed. You were able to sleep even after you thought you won this race by a couple of thousand votes. Well, I wouldn't say so much sleep. I was able to close my eyes and think about what is the next step? It, it is. You gotta love it. He has no idea what he's getting himself into. <laughs> I don't think he ever intended to win. Spent $153. I love it. I obviously, other than the Eagles fan bit, though, I'm, I grew up a Jets fan, so I, I don't really, I guess there's misery in company in New Jersey. Um, I don't know if he, if he knows precisely what he got himself into, but if he has that war chest of $10,000, I highly recommend him to start hiring some lawyers because Steven Sweeney is not going to go down without a fight. He's going to try and steal this thing back. Even though, as we just confirmed hundred percent reporting, we showed earlier in Hudson County, they did, uh, sorry, in Bergen County, they just changed it. It didn't matter that there was hundred percent reporting. They waited for everyone to go bed, go to bed and changed it and just flipped the votes around. So I highly recommend that he take that $10,000 war chest that he apparently (laughs) raised but didn't spend and start hiring some lawyers because they're not going to go down without a fight. When you drain the swamp, eventually the swamp creatures bite back. So (laughs) go to my screen. The, The left is freaking out over all of this. And you think that they would learn their lesson. But no. They are not. This is from Mona Eltahawi. Probably mis- mispronounced it. Frankly, don't care. She says, oh, I don't want to misgender her. This person says, white women voters are f- soldiers of white supremacist patriarchy. In Virginia, white women swung back towards the GOP by 15 percentage points compared to 2020. Wow. The white women are the foot soldiers of the white supremacist patriarchy. I would like to introduce you to a woman named Winsome Sears. Winsome Sears is the new lieutenant governor for the state of Virginia, and she is a black woman. So according to the left, white women are the foot soldiers of the white supremacist patriarchy, and they just exerted that authority by making a black woman, first time in the history of the state, making a black woman the second most powerful executive office holder in the Commonwealth. I just referred to it as a state. I apologize. It's a Commonwealth. Yeah, that everyone knows that's that's the white supremacists. That's that's their game. 
They're got <laughs> that's what they're all about, electing black women into positions of power. Zach says she's a me a marine. Yes, she is. If we go back to my screen, this is how awesome she is. Yes, I <laughs> I'm sad I didn't get a chance to vote for her. And for the left to say that anyone who voted for her is just a white supremacist? Come on. Come on. And and do they not do they not understand what's going to happen to them if they don't I, listen, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to interrupt my enemy when they're making a mistake that's straight from the art of war. But they're they're not even learning from their from their lessons. Some of them are smart though. If we go to my screen again, former Obama campaign manager Stephanie Cutter. Let me make it a little bit bigger so people can read it. Former Obama campaign manager Stephanie Cutter addressing last night's election results. The one thing that we need to make sure of is that Republicans in 2022 don't become the party of parents. Don't become the party of parents. There, it's not possible for Democrats to become the party of parents because you have Democrats unapologetically saying that parents have no role in their children's education. But they recognize Similar to what I said, I've, I'd never seen it before. Parents for Youngkin, I've never seen, I, I've always seen black people for Trump or or Hispanics for Trump or labor, labor uh, workers for such and such candidate. I'd never seen parents. And they tapped into that. They tapped into that fundamental human emotion of wanting to provide the best possible life for your child. They tapped into it and they won because ultimately they were providing a better product. They were providing a better future. One where kids can go to kindergarten without being told they're evil because of their skin color. One where kids can go to elementary school and not be forced to recite the pronouns before they even learn the alphabet. Now, now, Republicans, Democrats will never be the party of parents. Because Democrats do not believe in parents. Democrats believe, obviously there are Democrats who believe in parenthood, but the party itself does not believe that parents should be the ones making decisions for their kids. That's why we're seeing in so many schools, they're trying to secretly vaccinate the kids against their parents' permission. Or before COVID-19, where schools were secretly helping kids get abortions without their parents even being notified, let alone giving consent. No, the left believes that the state should be the primary decider of what is best for people. And that's that's leftism. That's leftism in a nutshell. They do not want people to exert power over their own lives. They want the government to do so because when the government decides the winners and losers, they can be equitable. It's that word. They want equity. They don't want equality of opportunity. That's where we all get to try as hard as we can. Some fail, some succeed, but at least we tried. No, they want equity where there is no failure because government imposes mediocrity on all. That is what they want. They don't care. They don't care that they force kids to spend a year and a half without seeing another human being's face during school. Just think about the psychological trauma of that. It was interesting to see last week as we went into, as we went into Halloween, schools weren't allowing kids to wear masks. They could wear their, their costumes, but they weren't allowed to wear a mask over their face. And the reason that the schools gave, and they didn't understand the irony of it, the reason that they gave was that masks can interrupt the learning environment. So they didn't care with the face mask. They do care if you put something on your face for Halloween. They didn't really understand. They didn't really understand the, uh, the irony of that. So we have to learn from this. We have to learn from this. What is the lesson here? The lesson is that there is no, there are no states that are unwinnable. Even New Jersey, even if they declare Murphy the winner, even if he did legitimately win, for, for Murphy to eke out a victory with less than one percentage point, whether it's legitimate or not, in New Jersey, there is not a single race out there that is not winnable. Now, maybe New York City, you, maybe you're not going to become mayor of New York if you're a Republican. But if you see what happened on Long Island last night, Republicans swept it. Yeah, I get it. Long Island is a little bit more conservative than Manhattan, but they weren't expected to win everything. 
No, there is not a single race out there that cannot be won if you and me and the rest of us are willing to fight for it. If we're willing to actually do the hard work, volunteer. It's not sexy, but do the phone banking. The phone banking, donate what you can to organizations leading these fights. And vote. And after you're done voting, drag everyone you know to vote and make sure they understand what's at stake. Now, there's not a single race that's unwinnable. What they count on is you believing that you can't win. They are counting on you not having faith in yourself, not having faith in the conservative movement. The reason that the pollsters got New Jersey so wrong, even if Murphy ends up winning, the reason that the pollsters got it so wrong, I mean, I was looking at polls from a couple of weeks ago that had him over 15 points ahead. They got it so wrong because they assumed, the pollsters assumed that conservatives weren't going to come out because there was no reason to. Right When you look at these polls and they say we, we polled X number of likely voters, all that means is the pollster has already decided in their mind what the electorate's going to look like on election day. And they've taken the numbers that they got from the polls and kind of like massage them to fit what they believe the electorate will look like. Well, that's what made Trump's victory in 2016 so great. There were so many people who had never voted before who didn't show up on, on any pollster's radar as a likely voter because they'd literally never voted before who probably, if it wasn't for Trump, wouldn't have voted. No, there is not a single race that is, that is unwinnable. We can win in the bluest of states. We can win, obviously, in the reddest of states. And we can get rid of entrenched Republicans, too. It's not just getting rid of Democrats, getting rid of entrenched Republic Republicans, too. We can win. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. We're probably going to lose more than we win. Yesterday was an exception. Yesterday was a, was a very fun night. But it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of work. And it's going to take more than just obviously watching this show and, and, and getting out there. It's going to take a lot of work. And it's up to all of us to put in that work, put in that time, and to do it. So before we, we wrap up for today, there was, a, there was a great clip from Ron DeSantis this morning in Florida, referring to the Biden administration as the Brandon administration. Let's go ahead and play cut number nine. When you look at the Biden, the Brandon administration in terms of what they're doing. <laughs> Love it. And at that event, Ron DeSantis, among other things, was announcing that ballot harvesting in the state of Florida will now be a third degree felony. If you ballot harvest, if you collect someone's ballot illegally, it's a felony now. It's a felony in the state of Florida. They're doing it right. Listen, whether you are a just because you're a red state doesn't mean you can't be fighting for things, right? If you live, obviously, we saw Texas pass a a big election integrity bill. It's not perfect. We still got a lot of work to do there. We saw Georgia pass one. Again, not perfect. Got a lot, to, a lot of work to do. If we live in a red state, we have to solidify and fortify the election because we saw what happened in Georgia in 2020. They stole not one, but two Senate seats and the state of Georgia for the Electoral College. They, did, they didn't do it just one night. They did it two nights, two elections. Stole it right out from under us. It's up to all of us to make sure that doesn't happen again. We got to be vigilant. And we have to fight like hell because it's worth it. And I'll tell you what we have started hearing from our sources in Capitol Hill is that this has sent shockwaves through the Democrats. What happened yesterday was not just a lo local races in Virginia. It was not just an like uncomfortably close race for Democrats in New Jersey. Democrats are running. They're not walking. They are running away from Joe Biden's build back better plan. I mean, what kind of idiot would 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 put their political future on the line? And, and this is where it actually becomes good that they are political creatures. This is where it's good that they actually care most about their own reelection, because it's moments like this that we can actually force them to kill bills like this. As we've covered on the show, the Build Back Better bill is fundamentally terrible. We ran a fax blast on it today, if you haven't already 
joined it, I highly recommend that you do so. Nancy Pelosi says she's still going to be holding a vote. So it's up to all of us to kill this bill. But that legislation, that legislation does not have the Hyde Amendment in it. What is the Hyde Amendment? The Hyde Amendment is, a, is an amendment that has existed since 1976. Every single year, Congress has passed it. And what it says is simple. The government does not fund or finance elective abortion procedures, meaning that if someone on Medicaid goes to Planned Parenthood and wants to have an abortion as a form of birth, uh, birth control, not a medically necessary one, but an elective one, that they eh, I just don't want a baby. They cannot have Medicaid pick up the tab. The bill that they are now trying to rush through before Joe Biden truly becomes a lame duck would get rid of that prohibition. So when you pay your taxes on tax day, you would become complicit in the financing and funding of elective abortion procedures around this country. That's what the Democrats want. It's evil. It's fundamentally evil. So they are trying to rush this through. Now, some Democrats know better. Joe Manchin just went from pumping the brakes to jumping out of the car. He wants nothing to do with this. But you can't rest on the laurels. We can't say, we can't presume, assume that it's going to be a win. We have to keep fighting, which is why we're going to keep fighting to make sure that not only do we kill Joe Biden's agenda, but it stays dead. And then fighting to make sure that every single one of his executive orders dies as well, is killed and ripped up as well. Because we all know that Joe Biden was installed. He was not elected. He was installed. He's an illegitimate president. Well, now he's a lame duck. Democrats do not want his agenda because they don't want to go down with the ship. So now is the time to strike. Now is the time to fight 10 times as hard. And we will do that. I just hope that you are all ready to join in that fight as well. That's going to be it for this edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the audio version. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, and Audible. We do have more shows coming. Obviously, we have Uncle Tom Talks comes on after us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I don't know if it's going to stay in that time slot, but for now, that's where it is. Uncle Tom Talks, make sure you tune in for that. And that is available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and I think TuneIn. They're all really slow at getting it going. But if you if you look for uh, Uncle Tom Talks on Podbean, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, it'll be there. So check it out and, and be prepared. We're, we're looking at bringing on a lot of new shows. Our goal is ultimately to fill an entire day, five days a week. It's going to take some time to get there, but we need your help to do it. So please do subscribe, sign up for the email newsletter, participate in the Facts Blast, donate, right? Sign up for our, our text alert system. That's how you can get notified. We want to build this thing into, into a great media conglomerate. I think we can do it, but we're going to need your help to get that across the finish line. So that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand and fight together. <laughs>